Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm so excited that you're here with us. We've got something a little different, a little fresh for you, a little newer. So a few years ago, Pastor Chad and myself, my name is Eric, we started a podcast through our church, Preaching Christ Church, and we are working very hard on launching a new podcast for Awaken to Grace, and these are some of the older episodes that we did just here a couple of years ago. We wanted to share our favorites with you guys, and hopefully that gives you something to look forward to coming in the new year. So we've got um, several topics that we're discussing, trying to, to push out some more content with our podcast, but here's a few of our old ones. We hope you enjoy them. Give us some feedback on Facebook. If you like them, let us know, and uh, we will have some great content coming for you very soon. Before we begin today's podcast, I want to say something to those who are listening who are either gay or perhaps you have a family member, a friend, or, or, or a coworker who is gay that you care very much about them. I want to be very clear on the purpose of today's episode. It is not to bash homosexuality. It is not to alienate uh, homosexuals. As a matter of fact, there are several homosexuals who attend my church, Preaching Christ Church. And I want to say that I'm very, very glad to have you attend my church. I want, uh, I always want you to feel welcome. I always want you to feel like the Lord can speak to you and can move within your heart. Um, today, Eric is going to ask me some very difficult questions. They're questions that our culture is asking. They're, they're questions that, that Christians are asking as well as people who would never step foot in a church. I want to be careful how I answer them. I want to answer them uh, not only out of a right heart and out of uh, a compassionate heart, but I have to answer these questions in the authority of God's Word, too. So if you're listening and you are, perhaps you feel like you're born gay, perhaps, um, perhaps you're living a secret lifestyle. Maybe homosexuality is something that you struggle with and nobody knows it. No one knows it, perhaps not even your spouse. As you listen to this today, I don't want you to feel like I'm throwing stones or that I have uh, anything at all against you. No, it's actually just the absolute opposite. I love you with a compassion from the Lord, and I want you to listen with an open mind today and with an open heart on w w the way that, that I share uh, how I think that the Bible interprets and, and the things that the Bible says about the homosexual lifestyle. So I thank you for listening today. Um, Eric's going to bring us in, and I hope that this episode uh, will answer some questions for you today. Welcome to the Preaching Christ Church podcast. Today we are tackling the very complicated, very popular, and very divisive issue of gay marriage. Chad, the big question I think for our church is, is God anti-gay? Hmm, what a question. What a question for our culture, right? We're, um, we're seeing a lot of things happen in the media right now. We're seeing a lot of things play out. And uh, to answer your question, is God anti-gay? I think 
I think it's more that God is anti-sin. And so the challenge for the church, the challenge for society, is to define, to really answer, what is sin? And I think what is happening right now is culture is looking at the church, and they're saying, who are you to tell me what sin is? Who are you to tell me that this is sin or this isn't sin? And I agree with you. I'm nobody to tell you what's right or what's wrong. But what is the standard is God's word. And so what we're going to talk about a little bit today is why we define homosexual lifestyles or gay marriage as sin based upon God's word. Now, if you're somebody that you don't, you don't believe in the Bible and you don't believe what God says, then I would say to you, go on and live your life. Go do whatever you want to do. But if you're somebody that you really do love God and you really do care what God says and you care what the Bible says, then let's be careful how we handle that. Let's be careful how we read it and how we interpret it. And, and, and I would say to the church, let's be very careful how we, how we show not only God's love as well as God's wrath and God's judgment. Let's be careful how we present these things to a lost and dying world. We're not just talking about our American church. Right. You know, we've got churches in Korea and Africa and everywhere. So with this issue, with, with homosexuality, how should the church tackle this very divisive issue? Hmm. Well, I would answer that in two ways. I think the church, number one, has got to be very careful the way that we present the gospel to this culture. I think... Um, and when I say careful, I don't mean that we sugarcoat things. I don't mean that we water things down, but that we do things in the right way. I wrote an article uh, a little while ago called, Should the Gospel Be Offensive? And the outcome of that article is it's both, yes and no. The gospel is offensive. The Bible tells us that. The gospel is offensive. But the messengers should not be offensive. There is never an excuse for a Christ follower who is an ambassador of Jesus Christ, who's an ambassador of the kingdom of God. There is never an excuse for us to be rude, to be arrogant, to be unkind. There should never be a reason for that. We are always to show the love of God. Why did Jesus come into the world? We, we all know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? Few Christians can quote 17. And what does John 3, 17 say? Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So I think the church has to be careful that we're not condemning because Jesus didn't come to condemn. People will stand before God. And, and, and that's why I say I, I don't want to be the one who says, because I disagree with this, you're going to go to hell. But I am God's messenger. I am an ambassador of Jesus because I am part of the kingdom of God. It is my responsibility to say, this is what God's word says. Now it's up to you. What are you going to do with it? What about PCC? How are we handling this well, in our little corner of Tennessee? Right. It, not only do we have to be careful, secondly, I would say we have to be bold in standing on what God says. I mean, there's no... Um, let, let, let me say it this way. As a pastor, I would love to let this issue just lie. 
I really would. I mean, people are going to do whatever they want to do. The federal government's going to do whatever it wants to do. I have no sway. I have no influence. I have no, uh, you know, the society is going to do what it wants to do. And I would love it if the church could just say, well, you know, we're hands off. We're not even going to touch that issue. Uh, Let people sort it out. Let them figure it out. We can't do that. And the main reason we can't do that is because culture will not let us do this. Culture is going to push us to a place where we have to say we either agree with this, we either accept this, or we disagree, and this is why we disagree. Now, culture, we see, has turned this into a civil issue. So for us, for the church, is this a civil issue or is this a moral issue? Yeah, no. This is why the homosexual agenda is really winning the war in America right now. It's because they have taken this from what it is. It is a moral issue into a civil issue. So they're saying, look at civil, look at the civil rights movement. Um, those people who were against civil rights, they were on the wrong side of history. And I think about that a lot. I think about if Preaching Christ Church existed in the 50s, if we were a church in the 60s, would we have marched with Martin Luther King Jr.? Mm. I hope we would have. Yeah. And even to this day, we, we often march in the MLK parade in downtown Kingsport. And the reason why we do that is because I, I hope that we would have been of the conviction, had I been alive at that time period, that yes, we would have marched for civil rights. It was the right thing to do. But homosexuality is not a civil right. It is a moral issue, not a civil. And that's why they are winning the war right now. A really good example of civil versus moral is all the things that we've seen happen to Christian businesses Hmm. over the last year, 18 months. Just a few very popular examples uh, done with a quick Google search. You know, you've got the bakery in Oregon that uh, they were were sued and shut down or fined and shut down. You know, not only were they sued, um, they, they were given a gag order from the court that they could not talk about this issue that that should have every Christian in America saying what in the world is going on right now I mean very serious issues going on here and we felt I think when that first broke when that story first happened that it okay maybe this was an isolated incident maybe Mm. misunderstanding well another few months go by and we see this pizza parlor in Indiana right where where this gay couple wanted to do their wedding in a pizza parlor, pizza and parlor. even the media, even like mass media, was saying this is targeted. Yeah. This wasn't a misunderstanding. Oh, this no wasn't doubt. an accident. Yeah, I, and I think you're going to see more and more of this. Uh, this issue is not going to go away. This is not going to be an issue that churches can just say we're hands off on. Uh, we're going to be forced to say, uh, you know, we either accept or we do not accept this lifestyle. And, uh, and it's very tricky. The church has got to be very careful because I tell you, I'll just tell you how I, I truly believe as a pastor, the church should have no vocal stance on the issue of gay marriage until we have wept for souls who are lost. We, we should not speak up and condemn uh, or condone. We should not speak up and lead this charge in this major cultural fight 
until we have wept for souls. And only until then are we going to have the right spirit and be able to handle uh, this issue in the right way. I think what what this agenda, I, I think you would have to be blind to, to not see that there is a clear agenda pushing the homosexual issues right now on culture. I think what this agenda wants to see happen, it, they want to see the church circle the wagons. They want to see us up in arms. They want to see us defensive. They want to see us building up walls. And when it comes to preaching Christ's church, we're just not going to do that. You know, right now, this issue affects our congregation. It not only affects families who have loved ones who are in a homosexual lifestyle. We have a lot of students right now that are attending our church who are in a homosexual lifestyle. You know, th this, this is going to become more and more prevalent in our culture. And the church cannot build up walls and say, it's my four and no more. That's not the heart. That's not, that's not the heart of God, and that's not the heart of the gospel. It's not the message. It's not the meaning of the gospel. So the church has got to, we, we, we have got to become uh, very careful in how we present how we feel on this issue. I think one thing that we do so well at PCC is that we are very transparent. We're very open. Um, since I've been here six years ago, from day one, I felt like every question I asked was answered honestly. There's no cloak and dagger or any, anything like that. So with that in mind, Chad, let's do a very practical example on our feelings as PCC. So say you have two couples. You have a homosexual couple that's coming in for marriage counseling and has asked you to marry them. And you have a, a couple that's living together. Um, a heterosexual couple that's living together and they come in and they say we want marriage counseling we want you to marry us both are clearly living in sin according to scripture how are we going to handle those two issues it's a fantastic question a very difficult question i i think i think first of all uh this is something that that you know, a churchgoer or even just a listener, someone who don't even attend church. I think this is something that you have to understand about my position as a pastor. Number one, I don't have to marry anybody. I'm not a marrying service. Uh, I, I can refuse to marry someone for any reason. Let's say that, let's say two 19 year olds walk into my office and they want to get married and they're not financially prepared. Their parents are against it. They're young and they're dumb and they're in love. Do I have to marry them? Absolutely not. I can say, guys, listen, you're not ready. There's, there's several steps that you need to take before you make this life-altering decision of marriage. I don't have to marry anybody. Now, what I think, you know, the federal government has already said gay marriage is legal. Okay, that, that's the law of the land, and that's what they said. If I have a homosexual couple come to me for premarital counseling and they go, we want to have our wedding at Preaching Christ Church and we want to be married here and we want you to do the ceremony, I should have the right to say, no, I, I, I don't condone that lifestyle. I disagree. Now, what you're asking is in the sense, how do I do that for a homosexual couple and I don't do that for a couple who's living together who technically we believe is living in sin? My goal as a pastor especially when I'm doing counseling and I do a lot of counseling 
My goal as a pastor is to help people get their lives right with the Lord. My goal is to help explain the Bible and help share what God says and help line their lives up according to the Bible. Now, you take a, you take a couple who's living together and they're not married, uh, but they're playing house and they're living together. Is that sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. And my goal is to show them God, God cannot and will not bless your life while you are in sin. Now, what you have to do is change your thinking. You have to, you have to confess. When the Bible says that if we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that word confess means you agree with God. That means you call sin what God calls sin. You call wrong what God calls wrong. You call unhealthy what God calls unhealthy. That's what confess means. So if a couple goes, well, you know, I don't see anything at all wrong with it, and I'm not willing to, you know, adjust my life to God's standards, then why do you want my help? Go to a justice of peace. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. That's my right. Same way now a homosexual couple comes to me. They can come in a wonderful attitude and a wonderful spirit. But what I what what is my responsibility as a pastor, as an ambassador of the Lord, is to help them see God cannot and God will not bless this lifestyle. Now, if they cannot agree to that, if they cannot, uh, you know, align their lives to, to God's word, I can't go any further with them. So why would I marry them if I cannot go any further with them? They should go to a justice of peace or they should go to a pastor. There's nothing in their conscience that would, uh, this would be against sure. their conscience. Sure. So I hope that answers that question. Yeah. We talked about the, the businesses a few minutes ago and, and the issues they had. Now you are a business owner. You and your wife own a print shop downtown. How are you going to handle going forward, or if you have encountered this issue? Say a homosexual couple wanted wedding invitations done at your print shop. How do you handle that as a Christian business owner? You know, I, I just I have to be honest about that. I don't. I just don't think that I would uh, be rude to them and say, nope, kick it out of my shop. I just don't feel like... Uh, let me answer it like this. And and first of all, let me say, do I think that couple at the bakery were wrong in Oregon? Absolutely not. Do I think the pizza parlor were wrong was wrong in Indiana? Absolutely not. So let, let me answer it this way. If a homosexual comes into my shop and he wants business cards, I think it would be wrong for me to say, you're a homosexual, I will not service anything for you. I think that's wrong. I don't think that's the spirit of Christ. I don't think that's the spirit of, of the gospel. And, and I, I don't think I would do that. I know I wouldn't do that. If, if a gay couple came and they wanted wedding invitations printed, even at that, I, I just, I, you know, I, I really don't think that I would say, you know, no. However, however, let's say there was a gay pride parade going through downtown and they came to my shop and they wanted us to do all of their literature, all of their uh, program guides, all of their flyers, all of their posters, and all this and that. I should have the right, as an American and as a business owner, to say, no, I, I don't agree with, with you know, what you're doing here. I, I don't agree with it. It should be my right to say, no, I wouldn't print that. And, and, and I don't think that I would print it for an agenda-moving issue like that. Does that, does that make sense? Sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't print it for an agenda. Yeah. Now... 
you know, an individual come in, I, you know, I, I'm just, um, you know, I, I, again, this is where the church has to be so careful. I would never want a homosexual or a homosexual couple or a transgender person. I would never want them to walk into my church or to even know me personally and say, that guy's a jerk. That guy is unreasonable. You know, I, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, I can't, I can't say that I agree with something that the Bible says is wrong. No more than I can other hot topic issues like abortion or, or any other issue like that. I, I just can't do that, and, and my conscience won't do that. You know, we've noticed that in the media, on Facebook, on Twitter, there's the hashtag boycott target or, or whatever mm. it is with the target issue at the moment. Right. Here's what I see is that Scripture has very little to say about homosexuality compared to talking about love almost 8,000 times in the Bible, talks about money and possession 2,300 times in Scripture, but it only specifically addresses homosexuality with six verses that we can find in Scripture. So for the church, why is this so captivating? You know, certainly there are some churches that they crusade one issue. There There probably are some churches that are, um, you know, they're they're the ones up in arms, and they're the ones who are making this a big issue. I, that is not the case all across the board. Um, I'm very connected with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors. The church is not making this the issue. Culture is making this the issue. We need to be very clear here. It is culture that is pushing this. The whole issue with Target is absurd absolutely absurd do you remember when chick-fil-a chick-fil-a did not make this major announcement that their owners and their management does not agree with homosexual marriage do you remember how all that went down yeah what was that two years maybe yeah, three maybe three years yeah. ago by now i don't know but you remember when it happened yeah it was it was like a phone interview that someone was like, oh, by the way, what do you think of gay marriage? I don't agree with it. And then what happened? People, f- people flipped out. An old man told me one time that uh, some people will hit their head against the wall just to enjoy the noise. <laughs> you know, those kinds of people, they're all up in arms. And they're going, and here's what they kept saying. Why can't Chick-fil-A just sell chicken sandwiches? Why do they have to be political? Why do they have to get into all, just sell chicken? I don't necessarily disagree with that. And now I would say that to Target. Now everybody that was against Chick-fil-A, they're applauding and they're supporting what Target's doing. I would say, why does Target have to be political? Why can't Target just sell clothes? Why can't they just sell shoes and sell home goods? Why do they have to become all political? Uh, America, you know as well as I know, Americans are absurd. It's, it's so silly, and uh, this whole fight and this whole thing, you know, and, and what breaks my heart is for the church to get swept up in all of this. We, we shouldn't be swept up in it. We should rise above it all and say, this is what we believe, and this is why, you know? I think this brings us kind of towards uh, our, our next kind of big question um, is it's a two-part question. Part one. Will being gay 
send you to hell? And then part two, I think, of that question is, are people born gay? Hmm. Yeah, big questions. Being gay will not send you to hell. Being apart from Christ will send you to hell. Sin will send you to hell. L- listen carefully. Um, listen carefully to this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God, but listen to what he says. Neither will adulterers. Christian couple love God, committing adultery. (laughs) What's it say to them? Young Christian couple loves God, but yet they're living together. That's sexual immorality. What's the Bible say to them? This is serious. And, and then, and then I, I love how the Bible is because it's, it's almost as if Paul is saying, okay, here's this big checklist. So someone could say, okay, well, if I see a homosexual, I'm going to judge them. Or if I see a sexually immoral person, I'm going to judge them. If I see somebody committing adultery or stealing or being greedy or being a drunkard or all of this big list that he gives, I'm going to point my finger, I'm going to throw the first stone, and I'm going to judge them. But the Bible doesn't give us room to do that. The very next verse Verse 10, uh, verse 11, listen to what this says. The very next verse, when it says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, verse 11 says, and such were some of you. Hmm. We have no room to judge. We have no room to throw the first stone. Absolutely not. And do you see how the Bible gives no room for the church to condemn? And such were some of you. And then listen to what it says. So what's the difference? But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So that's why I say again, if a homosexual is listening to this podcast today and they're saying in their heart, I, I do not care. At the end of the day, I don't care what God says. Then go on. Live your life. But if you're struggling right now and you have homosexual tendencies and you're, and you're saying, I don't know what to do. I want to love God. I want to, I want to follow God, but this is how I feel. What do I do? Here's the biblical answer. You have to be washed. You have to be sanctified. And when this happens, then you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So that brings me to your second question. Are people born gay? Now, everybody has an opinion. Some people say yes. Some people say no. Some people say absolutely yes. Other people say absolutely no. And then some people say, you're not me. You don't have my feelings. You don't know how I feel. So what does the church say to that? Well, here's, here's what I say. I say, let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's say you are born gay. Let's say you're born with homosexual tendencies. Let's say that even as a child, even as a child, you felt attracted to the same sex. What do you do with that? I think you handle it like any sin. See, this is where people get really mixed up. 
People don't really understand how we are all born sinners. We don't get that. Psalm 51 verse 5, David says, At the moment of birth, I was a sinner. I was shapen in iniquity. I was even conceived in sin. Sin is in our DNA. And that's why being a Christian is not in name only. Being a Christian, according to the Bible, means that we are born again. That means a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. So if you're someone that you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, but I can't help how I feel, I would say that's because you're born a sinner. You think of children. You know, I have a little three-year-old. I don't have to teach her how to steal. I have to teach her not to take things that don't belong to her. <laughs> we have walked out of department stores with me buying something and her stealing something, and we have to take it back. <laughs> I don't have to teach my little girls how to lie. It's actually the opposite. I have to teach them you have to tell the truth because lying is in their DNA. Stealing is in their DNA. Rebelling is in their DNA. Sin is in our DNA. So if you are someone that you say, I'm born this way, I would say, well, that only proves your sin nature. That only proves even more so your enormous need for Jesus, just like my enormous need for Jesus. So that's what I would say to someone who, who feels like perhaps they're born this way. No, it's not that you're born gay. You're born a sinner, just like me and just like every other person on the earth. It takes Jesus to change us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Preaching Christ Church podcast. Be sure to check us out online at preachingchristchurch.com or find us on Facebook.